I think art, creativity, I think it makes life good. I mean, I think it makes it worth living. And so I like to celebrate people that are doing interesting things, filmmakers, writers, actors. It's brought so much joy to my life. And I, it's never felt like, um, ugh, I got to do that again, you know? Hi, I'm Dennis Hensley, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and you've showed up to get your good on, so good on you. This is World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light into the darkness and or find the light in the darkness to prove this here planet doesn't suck as much as cable news tells us it does basically 24-7. Look, if you share our enthusiasm for good things. Why not help us spread this here good thing you're listening to right now? How to do that? Here's how. Simply share our show. How hard is that? Not hard at all. Share us with your friends on social media and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you are listening right now. And by golly, the good will keep a-flowing. You can also find all your good in one place, worldgonegoodpodcast.com. It's our website, and it's run by my best pal, Lisa, and she would love for you to check out her handiwork, and so would I. Visit worldgonegoodpodcast.com. So I grew up in what I feel is the greatest decade there ever was, the 1970s. Why do I feel this way? Well, because... We had good things. We had banana seat bicycles and Jiffy Pop popcorn and the $6 million man and the Bionic Woman and Farah. We had Jaws and Star Wars. We had the grooviest fashion that began all post-60s mod and sort of turned flower child and then morphed into the disco look. And we had game shows on in the middle of the day. From password to match game to the price is right, we knew how to get our good game on. And my guest today is all about it, all of it. Dennis Hensley is a published author, radio host, writer, producer, and he is the spark behind the mismatch game, the live game show that just passed raising $200,000 for the Gay and Lesbian Center of Los Angeles. How good is that? He's also a good friend of mine, and this is how he gets his good game on. Dennis Hensley, we have known each other for a long time. Yeah, decades, maybe. Yeah, we share something in common, you and I, which is we have a love of the 1970s. Oh, for sure. I love the 1970s. They're the best. Why? Why do you, what's, what's good about the 1970s? Well, I think it was when I was sort of just under puberty. So everything about it seems sort of exciting, like the fashions. And I love the films of the 1970s. Um, but I remember just like the music and... I started buying records during the 1970s and I loved, you know, disco clothes and 
uh, dolphin shorts and like all of the things that I think are sexy on guys were probably from that era. And I'm kind of still stuck there. That's why I'm very excited when, you know, gay guys decide to wear short shorts again. <laughs> like sometimes I'll be sitting outside of a gym or whatever. Like I was in front of crunch the other day waiting to go for a movie and the parade was starting. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot about the crunch boy parade, but the shorts are really high this season. Oh, nice. Yeah. And occasionally accompanied by a tube sock, like they'll go for the full look. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so that's good news. But yeah, I I, I love the seventies, and I loved. I go back and I watch the films of the seventies, and I love it. Saturday Night Fever is one of my very favorite movies, and I liked it because if you look back at the films and stuff, they were about grown up stuff. Like they were not. It was like young people trying to enter the world of grown ups, not grown ups trying to stay young. We wanted to do grown-up things. Whereas now, I think the culture with like superhero movies and everything, it's like we're trying to be kids forever. Back then, it felt like, uh, I can't wait to get in the van with Tommy Bradford and go <laughs> pick up some people and do some stuff that grown-ups do in a van. <laughs> solve a murder. Yeah, solve a murder and still make it to the mall. Yeah, before the Orange Julius closes. But yeah, I love all that stuff. Now you connected to TV game shows. I did. I loved game shows when they were on. Um, that was the best thing about being sick. Right. <laughs> if, you ever had to, if you ever had to stay home sick from school, you could watch all the game shows you wanted. It was the best. Yeah, I loved them all. Did you have a favorite? I really loved Pyramid, especially now as an adult. I really still, it's my favorite. Um, and I really wanted to be on it. And I came very close. But I, as I was about to tape an episode, the executive producer walked into the contestant holding area. I hadn't met this person yet. And it turns out that it was somebody that I had known a little bit, like I'd gone on a couple of dates with. And so I was immediately disqualified. Oh, it was heartbreaking, Steve. I can't even tell you. It was my destiny oh. to be on that show. I would oh. have crushed. And uh, and this guy that was disappointing when we kind of had our date ended up like being the reason I couldn't do Pyramid. He Pyramid blocked you. He totally Pyramid blocked me. Yes. <laughs> and he was a jerk as a date person, too. I think he blew oh. me off a few times. Like, it was nothing that got off the ground. But... Uh, yeah, so that was heartbreaking. He should have at least given you $10,000 on the date. For sure. At least I could have gotten some rice aroni or something. Something, right, but turtle wax. I didn't know he worked on Pyramid, but he was like the head person. Are there any other game shows you have been on? I've been on two game shows that are not very well known. One was called Jumble, where it was like the scrambled word game from the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And one was called That's the Question. And that was on like the Game Show Network. And I won both. I won $5,000 on That's the Question. And the other one, I, um, I won a trip to New Orleans. Okay, okay, okay. Question. Okay, we have so many questions. And this is going to, don't worry, yeah. this is going to get to the point. We're getting to a point. That's you know right. the point we're getting to. Care. Okay, they give you $5,000. Do they yeah. take the taxes out or do you have to pay the taxes? 
you pay the taxes at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, you, 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 I think my memory is that I just got $5,000. And your your trip to New Orleans, was that like five star? Was it? Um, I don't think it was like the height of luxury, but it was a nice hotel and airfare. And I took a friend of mine from college and we had a ball. This was like 1995. Stayed in the French Quarter. It was cool. It was, I was really into it. Yeah, I loved it. So I auditioned for Supermarket Sweep with my friend Terry. Right. And Terry was very excited and she was like, come on, come on, get into it, get into it. So we got to the point where we were, we were narrowed down a group of like seven or eight of us at these little podiums, little fake podiums they had. Right. And they had us each go around and introduce ourselves. They said, one of you introduce, choose who you're going to be, introduce, and then introduce the other. So Terry's like, I'll start and then I'll introduce you. And I'm like, okay, great. And my friend Terry, she's like, come on, get energy, get energy. I'm like, okay. She's like, we're going to do this. I'm like, okay. And I kid you not, it comes to us and like, okay, team number seven, or we were kind of far down the line. And my friend Terry goes, my name's Terry. I like to drink and I like to party and I like to drink. I'm a party girl. And she screamed. She screamed like, <laughs> and then she turns to me. She's like, "And this is my best friend in the world," which is a total fucking lie. And she goes, "Steve." And she looks at me, and she's like panting. And I'm staring at her, like, "What? The holy fuck!" Just and I look forward, and I go, "My name's uh, uh, Steve, and um, I do theater, and I uh, uh, I'm really I'm happy to be. I'm from Arizona, and I'm happy to be here." Of course, we get na- like next. And well, she became another person. Oh, for like. fuck's sake. We're walking in the parking lot and she's glaring at me and she goes, you didn't even try. And she's like berating me. We finally hit the car and I turn to her and I go, Terry, you just screamed at the top of your lungs. I'm an alcoholic. I like to party. I'm a drug. Guy. I don't know who you were. And she started laughing really hard. And she's like, did I really sound insane? I go, you sounded crazy. <laughs> Wow. Did your friendship survive the supermarket sweep audition? It did. It did survive it. And we laughed about it for like years to come. Now you turned your love for game shows into something special, which is kind of why I asked you here today to talk about it because we talk about good things here. The mismatch game. Yes. Tell everybody what the mismatch game is. When did it start? And what was like the creative spark to get it going. The mismatch game is a game show parody, like the old match game that I've been doing on stage as a host and producer since 2004 at the LA gay and lesbian centers, Renberg theater. And we do it to raise money for the center, specifically the homeless youth program. And it started in 2000 actually as my birthday party that year. I, there was a period of a few years in there where I kind of threw big elaborate theme parties. And one year I decided to do the match game and I got different friends of mine to play different celebrities. But I remember like at the last minute realizing, Oh, the questions shouldn't just be pulled from the show. Like I was transcribing questions from the show, like dumb Dora is so dumb. And I thought, no, they should be about current pop culture. They should be about what's happening in the news and timely. And so I rewrote all the questions like the day before and my friends came and it was just a big hit. It was, people liked it. We had a lot of fun. And a couple of years later, some friends wanted to do a benefit 
for one of the AIDS charities locally. And so we did it. We did the match game. We call it match game live. I think at the time we did one of them at oil can Harry's. And then a couple of years later, I took that idea to the gay and lesbian center uh, and we tried it out and we've been doing it ever since like two or three weekends a year. And we, this last weekend that we just finished, we crossed the $200,000 raised mark since we started in 2002 or 2004. So yeah, it was a big landmark moment. We've been doing it ever since. It's, it's very much like the snatch game that you will see on RuPaul's Drag Race. Although we were doing it like five years before snatch game uh, came to be. So, but it's, that's the vibe. That's the idea. Yeah. And it's, it's been a blast and I can't believe how, long we've been doing it or how much money we've raised because i've i've just laughed every step of the way it never felt like uh anything more than something really fun to do you are the host you are the gene rayburn i am i don't do a character uh i just do myself so yeah and have you worn the same outfit every single time and how did you decide on your outfit well i changed the outfit (laughs) i I bought like a retro thrift store 70s suit at the beginning. Uh huh. It was kind of brown, like, you know, something that Mike Brady would wear. And I remember one year, I don't know, like six or seven years into it, this ex of mine came up afterwards and said, You need to get a suit that fits you or something. He said something oh. bitchy about my suit. Yeah. Wow. I know. I was like, Always oh, a charmer. And then, I, but I, he was right. He was right. The suit didn't look cute. It wasn't fitted or anything. So I went to a vintage clothing store and found something much better. But then that just depends on my weight. You know, if I like that particular suit, you know, it had a few seasons where I rocked it. And now, so I bought, I bought things um, at different times, but this last time I wanted something special. So I went to a, um Iguana vintage clothing and I, they had all of these kind of, they were brand new, but they were retro looking kind of tuxedos. And there was one that, that looked like something the Jersey boys would wear, but it matched all of the coloring that we were using for this particular edition of the match game. So I bought it and I had it altered. And then when I got to the center, the cultural arts director that I work with, John Imperato goes, you know, I think that suit, I think that's one of our suits. I was like, what do you mean? Apparently, after Ryan Murphy's The Prom finished shooting, they just showed up with a bunch of sh- clothes at the Gay and Lesbian Center, costumes, as to donate. And the center ended up selling some of them to this youth clothing store. So I ended up buying a suit from Ryan Murphy's The Prom. <laughs> but it was beautiful. It looks so good. It, it's, uh, and it was like the nicest suit I've ever worn for the mismatch game. It was a big hit. But it turns out it had a history. So, and they still have some there, I think. If you, if anyone listening wants to buy some uh, suit left over from the prom, it makes you feel like a teenager in a Netflix property. Uh, <laughs> just by putting it on. Which, which is different than a teenager in a 1970s television show. <laughs> no, it's, di- it's totally different because <laughs> what you feel like is that the money's unlimited and <laughs> that you're going to have international reach. <laughs> but also that it's not going to become iconic like that it's there's money there's reach but it's not going <laughs> to pop the way something would if you 
you know, had it on your lunchbox in the 70s. <laughs> Expectations are medium, not high, right. not low. <laughs> right. Medium. Yeah. You're not going to remember it that long after you click off the Netflix of it all, perhaps. But the suit is great. I'm into it. Tell my audience some of the people who have come and been part of the Mismatch Game on stage as performers and who they played and how you decide who they play. I know lots of questions. Go. Let's see. This last weekend, we had Jackie Beat as B. Arthur. Uh, we had Mark Samuel from General Hospital as Morgan Freeman. Uh, Danny Casillas, who you know, played Reba Reba, his own original character. We had uh, a gal named Lori Tatooian does a great Sharon Osbourne. Um, we've had uh, Craig Taggart does a great Bette Midler. We had him. He's only done it a couple of times. Uh, Nadia Ginsburg does Cher. Um, Tom Lank has done multiple characters, but this last weekend he did Tilda Swinton, and he came out in a, a motion capture green screen suit and pretended <laughs> he was invisible and that he's doing a lot of motion capture. <laughs> And it was ridiculous. Um, let's see. Julie Brown played Queen Elizabeth. Um, Felix Pyre plays Ricardo Montalban. And in terms of how people decide, I if they can do somebody and they like to do them, I'm usually pretty cool with it. Like, you know, we don't necessarily need them to be like 70s type people because it's been so long. Half the audience doesn't know who Brett Summers or some of these people are. So if they have a, a handle on a character, I, I usually let them go with it. You know, I think it's a very specific skill to be able to imitate somebody or have a take on somebody that you can bring to life in that way. I think like I couldn't do it. If I were asked to be on a panel, I don't, I don't have a great accent that I do or a character. Like I, I could think of witty answers, I think, but I don't think I, have that thing. So I'm always in awe of the actors that can create a character in that, in that space, but they really like to do it. I think over the years, because it's, it's a chance to perform and kind of be funny and do their thing, but it's not, it's pretty low risk. It's not just them out there. And if an answer bombs, it's onto the next answer. They make a joke out of the bomb, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's really fun without a, a super high um, risk factor. There's no rehearsal. Well, what I always love about it and have loved about it, because I've seen it many times, I've actually been on stage and I think I won my night. You probably um, did. You could have. I think I did. I'm sure you did. Yeah, that's exciting. And it was exciting, but I yeah, it was prizes a long time from ago. the 99 cent store. The prices are never that exciting, but <laughs> right. it's all right. It's, it's it's the um it's the it's the status of, and being able to say you want it. But what yeah. I love, which you were just hitting upon, is that so many of the people you get, they do like a Saturday Night Live kind of mad TV thing where they take the person, but they twist them just enough. And yeah. Tom Link did Heidi Klum. Yes, but his version of Heidi Klum, it it literally brings me to tears of laughter. Because it's just so beyond vapid and yeah. <laughs> not not dumb, just vapid and in her own world and space. And it's those moments that make it so uh, in the moment and hilarious. 
Tom Lank played Heidi Klum once, once for my birthday in the mid 2000s. I think it would have been like 2006, 2007, something like 2006, maybe. I had a Project Runway birthday theme party and uh, he played Heidi Klum. And I still remember him going, Nina Garcia, like super high pitched <laughs> and just crazy line readings. And yeah, he has, he's, he's done Zoe Deschanel. He's done Margot Kidder. He does Heidi Klum. He just has the take on all of these people that is so unique and hilarious. I I had one moment, believe it or not, on your stage of something because Tom Lang came up to me before the show. Right. And he said he was going to sing. It was a Christmas show. He said, I'm going to sing this ridiculous song that I came up with. And he said, and um, I need an in. I want to do something about Seal, but I'm not sure what to do. Like, what could I say about Seal? And he wanted to be careful because he said, I don't want to come off like an asshole and I don't want to come off racist. Right. He's like, what's a funny joke? And I said, you know what's really funny that might work for you? And I said this to him. I said, is that you play her so vapid. What if she doesn't even know the songs that Seal sings? What if you said, oh, my God, my husband – uh, you all know my husband Seals a singer, and he's had so many great songs. I go and then name two songs that he doesn't sing. Like name, I said right to him. I go be like Thriller because everyone knows that's Michael Jackson. Like right. that's not him, but his delivery on that because he literally goes, "Oh, and you all know my my husband Seal. He sings. Yes, you know he's had so many hits. Like I believe I can fly and Thriller, <laughs> and it's the way he says Thriller." And I sat in the audience going, "Oh my god." It was such a great thing. You know, here's the thing I want to ask you about this too. Yes. Um, so many people get ideas, right? We get ideas in our head and we talk ourselves out of an idea. I know you do that. I'm sure you do that. I don't know you do that. I do it. It's who we are. What is it about this project? Because it almost seems effortless and it's the fun of it maybe. But what is it about it that that you didn't question it? Or maybe you did. Well, the stakes were really low at the beginning. Like I was just doing it as a as a birthday thing. And it was just really funny and I I think it it didn't seem like that big of a risk, you know? Like what if it nobody's expecting it to be, you know, Hamilton. Right. Like it, so it, we, you know it's going to be sort of silly and at the time we were doing it there hadn't been that many things like that. Like drag race hadn't started yet. And, um, but I do think I, I was listening back to, um, from my own podcast, Dennis, anyone, I'm going to include some excerpts from the last show, uh, as an episode coming up and I was editing it and I was listening to it. I was thinking if I didn't host it, I think I would come to this show and because I, it makes me laugh in a in a unique way. It's funny in a way that that's very unique to itself, because it's sort of stupid, but it's also sort of smart, and it has something to say about the current culture. So you can make jokes about what people are talking about, and it's also stupid. I'm not sure, but it's it's uniquely fun. It's unique in its something about the way those answers land. It's pretty sp- special, and it's because of the panelists and the way they bring their sort of own twistedness to the show, and that they're all different. You know, it's the weird combination of things, and 
there are so many pictures I look back over the years of photos that I have from it and I'm just doubled over or I'm on the ground. Sometimes I'm on the ground. Like I'm just howling. And I, I think it's because it's a little irreverent. Like we shouldn't be doing this. Like there's something a little naughty about, about it. We're making fun of Madonna in this way. And what they, some, what somebody said was so kind of cutting, but also kind of true in a way. And we know it and we're laughing, but it's all a joke and it's all a game. It's brought so much joy to my life and I, it's never felt like, Ugh, I got to do that again. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of preparing and a lot of um, writing questions and prizes and like all of the production stuff, but it's always just been such a joy. I think it's also the energy of the room because I've been to it so many times. It's the audience too. Oh yeah. And the audience is like, they're so the audience into it. Into, yes. And it's almost like they're part, even if you don't get up on the stage, you're participating with it. Yeah. Because you're sitting there thinking of your own answers and then you, someone will say something you never would have thought of, or someone will say exactly what you were thinking. Yeah. Which is what is so great about a real game show. Yeah. And there are people that come back again and again that I only know them because they come to mismatch game. And I always see them sitting there and I'm like, you're back. Look at you, you know, and it's, uh, you know, we've over the years, we've sold out a handful of times. But most of the time you can score a ticket at the door. Like it's never been a fancy thing. It's always been kind of cardboard sets that have been there, you know, since the beginning. And um, I don't know. And there have been times where the center, for example, will have a big gala happening on the same night across town where everybody's in their tuxes and they're, you know, and we're, you know, across town writing jokes about Nicole Kidman on cards and like, it's just, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a, uh, the sort of wisecracking kid in the back of the class vibe about it that I think is fun. We did it over zoom during the pandemic. Uh, and it was fun. It kind of worked. It was weird to be in my house doing it, but it worked. I, I you know, I mailed everybody note cards and markers in the mail and, uh, and we, we made it work. You definitely made it work. Look, you you raised two hundred thousand dollars. When you hit the first hundred thousand, was your mind like, yeah, a little bit, but also it felt like at that time we'd been doing it quite a while. Yeah. So, and every weekend we make like three or four thousand. I don't know. It just, uh, it it we just keep doing it. It just rolls around, and for the center, it's pretty easy to put together because the set's still there and I do most of the work. So it's not an elaborate workup for them. And oftentimes they'll see what other shows they have coming in and they'll be like, Hey, we have a weekend here. We can plug in mismatch. So it's just been like this ongoing thing. That's always, that's always uh, just chugged along, I guess. Yeah. And we were having so much fun that we didn't really think about the, the good it was doing. Um, in terms of the money raised, but it's it feels great to think about that too. Tell everybody about Dennis Anyone, the podcast. Uh, Dennis Anyone is a podcast that I've been hosting since 2014. It's about making stuff up and making things happen. Making things up and making things happen. Where did I say making stuff up? It ruined my own tagline. 
Anyway, I love to talk to creative people about how they do their thing, how they keep it going. I like talking about resilience and I think art, creativity, I think it makes life good. I mean, I think it makes it worth living. And so I like to celebrate people that are doing interesting things, filmmakers, writers, actors. Uh, we had a woman that created cartoons out of dead flies, real dead flies. What? Um, and, and stuff like that. So that's my podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcast, DennisAnyone.net. And the other fun thing that's related to game shows uh, is I co-created a party game called You Don't Know My Life uh, with my friend Jeb Havens. And it we it's a box party game, and we got it up online in 2019. But then when the pandemic hit, we started hosting virtual game nights. And that has become a full-on side hustle for me. I've been doing, like, team-building events for corporations, hosting this game. And talk about games that leave you feeling good and connected to people. That's kind of what this has been for me. It's been so meaningful to host these games and meet people from all over the world and, you know, help them connect and bring out fun stories about them. And it's wild. We, I just did two this morning for state farm insurance. <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's cool. I, I, um, and you just learn that people are, are people, you, you know, we have so much more in common than we do that separates us. The other day I did a game for a big computer company, but, they had six players. One was in Milan. No, sorry. Vienna, Paris, Singapore, Israel, Portugal, and Sydney. All playing at the same time. And I was hosting it at six in the morning in LA. Like, it was wild. Um, but it, it's, been a, it's been really cool. So I guess this, the 70s game show thing has always been in my blood, you know, in some way or another. Before we wrap up with our final three questions, this is a question I usually ask my guests, and, and it goes back to what you just talked about. If you could go back to 13, 14-year-old Dennis, and you could talk to him, what would you say to him? I would say, don't be so afraid about upsetting people. Um, I think my, I had a invisible number one on my to-do list my whole life up until about five years ago, which was don't upset anyone. I felt like that was really important. It was almost like my operating system. And I have some theories as to why related to my family dynamic and things like that. But I would acquiesce pretty easily. I think it served me in some ways. And then I think it quit serving me and became a problem. And I don't know if 13 or 14 year old would make any sense of that. I think I, I might say something about that. I would also say something about creativity and, and say that, 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 that part of yourself uh, is, is the, the part to lean into. Although I was already sort of going along that path. Like that, those were the things that excited me and turned me on, but I would have, I would have said, yeah, keep doing that. That's it. I don't know. I, I look back and I'm, I'm kind of proud of like the things that I did when I was young, like trying out for musicals and college and stuff that I look back and I'm like, they were never going to give me that part, but they, I got in the chorus and that was exciting. Uh, and that, that paved the way. Like I, 
I don't look back and go, oh, I was so afraid I didn't try anything. I look back and go, I kind of tried. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm pretty proud of that. Cause I didn't, I guess I didn't know. I think I, I, <laughs> I believed in myself even more than I had any right to, I guess. I don't know. I, I, you know, when you're young, you're just like, I want to be in the show or I want to do the thing. Yeah. So I would say, you know, the creativity is the, is that's where it's at for you. And that's, and lean into that. That's all it's don't feel like, Oh, you need to be more serious about something else or whatever. It's not going to be an easy road, but it's, it's gonna be, be fulfilling. And it's what you're meant to be doing. I think. We close these shows with three questions. Don't panic. You know, the answers. Question number one. I know. I I, know. Listen. Oh God. Okay. Question number one. So easy. Where do people find you? Where do people follow you? How do people go to the mismatch game when it's mismatching time? Um, I say follow me on uh, my website is DennisHensley.com. Um, also, DennisAnyone.net. They go together. Um, on I, I have a Dennis. Uh, I have a Dennis Anyone Facebook page for my podcast. I'm also Dennis Hensley on Facebook, and uh, there's a Mismatch Game Facebook page. And my Instagram is Dennis C Hensley on Instagram. And I am on Twitter, but I don't tweet that much, but Hensley Dennis on Twitter. So, yeah. But, um, and if people want to learn about the game, they can go to youdon'tknowmylife.com. And you can learn all about it. And maybe we can book a virtual game night. I love to host people. And can they buy this game as well and play it on their own? Yeah, you can buy the game on Amazon. Youdon'tknowmylife.com. Steve, I'll send you one. I'm going to get your address and send you a game. Oh, thank you. That'd yeah. be great. I would love that. Yeah. It's, it's I'd one love of it my too. favorite things I've ever worked on. I'm really proud of it. The next question, again, can go back to anything we've already talked about or anything you want to say. Sure. It's this. Who inspires you? Well, I'm just thinking about this. This week, I'm really inspired by Lil Nas X. I'm kind of obsessed with Lil Nas X. <laughs> um, because I think he makes fun music and videos and all of that stuff. But the way he is being in the world around his sexuality, I think is so groundbreaking and it's so audacious and his social media is so smart. Like he knows how to bait people. Like he's very wise. Like I, I write for this podcast company for my main job, Wondery. And I did a project on Muhammad Ali a few years ago and he I became such a fan of his. He's somebody that that inspires me too. But he was good at the thing that he did, boxing, but he was also really smart about media and human nature and he had integrity and he was wise and savvy. And I see that in Lil Nas X, the way he plays the media, the way he, his sense of humor and the way he can kind of poke holes in the things that are full of shit in our culture. Um, so I'm inspired by that. I love to watch what he's doing next. And, um, I think he's really cute and I love how sexy he is in his videos and he still has these huge hits and, you know, like I, I just, it's so inspiring as a gay person to see somebody being so unabashedly themselves and expressing their sexuality. Like, I mean, I remember for questions around 
different types of artists in, in, in my age group, like, do you come out? And if you come out, you have to be a certain kind of gay person and you can't talk about sex and you certainly can't depict, like you had to try to not upset anybody or you had to try to thread this needle and you spent so much time thinking about that. And I just love watching Lil Nas X because he's like, nope, here it is. And look, I'm, and I'm also number one. So deal with it. You know, so I'm inspired by him. That's, that's somebody that really inspires me. And our final question is not even a question. It's just a simple answer to finish this statement. This is how we close the show. Tell me something good. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is before we started doing this, I got an email from my favorite hip hop dance teacher, Benji Allen, who's a good friend of mine. And uh, since the pandemic, he hasn't been teaching as much. And he's going to have a pop-up class next Sunday. And I already sent my Venmo in. I'm going to be taking his class. It's something that brings me a lot of joy. And uh, there's a lot of community there. And I love to dance. And it's just all feel-good vibes in that, in that space and in that way. And I can, I have, I can rock it. I kind of rock it out. So I'm into that. For an older man. For an old gentleman of a certain age. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before I'm a J-Lo backup dancer. I think she needs some people in their mid to late for 50s to be. Uh, let's We can still get loud. We can still get loud. So my dream, Steve, is to be a chorus boy. Is it too late? Uh, no. It's not too late? Okay. No. no. Yeah. I think... Didn't like, didn't Estelle Getty like hit her, like get the Golden Girls like in her like late 60s? And that was like her biggest thing she ever got. So there's still time there's for still you. Time. Is there still time to be a chorus boy though? The word boy throws me off. I think the, the, that I, I I'm pinging up against the word boy, but <laughs> a, a chorus boy of a certain age, a chorus boy of a certain age. Um, yeah. Maybe like in Palm Springs, they'll do some, you know. You are you are a youngin. Yeah. You're a tween in Palm Springs. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But yeah, no, I something good is I I love dancing and there's a, a fun class coming up that I'm into. So I'm into it. And also being in the same room with people and dancing again is joyous. Uh after all the Zoom yoga classes and everything. Uh it's nice to to be with people. Thank you, Dennis, for sharing your good. Go get some good over at his podcast, Dennis Anyone. Grab his game, You Don't Know My Life. And if you're in L.A., do not, do not miss the mismatch game. I personally recommend it. Next time on World Gun Good. Our diversity is our strength. And also, there has to be a point where we can question the people we elected. She is Kate, or as she's better known, the girl with a microphone. It's like the girl with the golden tattoo, the cobra tattoo, the girl on a tree. You know what I'm saying? She's a girl with a microphone. This is her good journey that all started when she decided to disrupt the disruption with her own good voice. We are talking activism and accountability and knowing when to apologize and so many more good things that start with the letter A. And yet we'll throw in some other letters there too. I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, 
You good. <laughs>